Hello, how you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. How the devil are you? You all right? Oh, is that a shock? Because, yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's not Thursday, is it? You know, we told you. The reason why it's Friday, happy Friday to you, by the way. Um, well, we're busy recording and it's never happened. We've always kind of gone out on a Thursday, I think. Yeah, we have. Um, but we couldn't put one out because we were too busy recording today. So I'm doing this intro now. Wait there, let me have a look what time it is. It is, uh, it's nine minutes past midnight on a Thursday. We have had a jam-packed day of recordings and this is literally straight hot off the press, um, this episode. And it's coming to you on a Friday morning at seven o'clock. Uh, Paul Griff is here and he's sat opposite me. He's waving. Oh, he's smiling. He's, he's not talking. He's, you know, he's not allowed. Um, he's busy uh, editing, compressing, making sure everything sounds and looks as beautiful as it can be. He's very, very pleased um, that his new camera that he's bought is uh, making the photos and videos all that more crystal clear and... Uh, very, very gorgeous and sexy. So if you like the new photos and videos, just let him know. Just just, just tag him in and just go, oh, great, I love those photos and videos. They're really nice. Yeah, he really like it. I don't know why my sprinting can hear me. Anyway, look, this is episode 114 with Stephen Kavuma. And <sighs> what can I say? Now, look, I... I've been talking to Stephen about coming on the podcast since I met him, which was about, I think, two years ago. We met at the BFI. We were both on a panel. It was about... Uh, what was it about? It was about so many different things. It all boiled down to class. Not necessarily working class, but how we in the arts... Uh, navigate and approach uh, the class system and break the glass ceiling, so to speak. And he, we really got on, and I, and I really, really liked where he was coming from. And he spoke to me about something that I'd never heard of, and we get into it in the podcast, so I don't want to give anything away, and um, I'm going to, move away from it now but look this is a hugely important episode and a hugely important discussion and there's certain questions that are thrown out there um that we can't answer yet but they're also for you to think about and mull over and just sort of percolate just just, just give it a listen i think it's a i th- as i said to Stephen, and we both agree there is a bigger discussion going on um, and that should be going on, but also, and you understand this as well, that shouldn't be going on. Look, I'm, I don't mean to be cryptic, but 
get a load of this episode and then uh, you will understand. So, of course, usually we are uh, slap bang in the middle of Soho uh, with our lovely friend Tanya Wade in the historic and majestic Maison Bateau on Greek Street. But here's the thing. This week, it's only bloody half-term, and there's half-term matinees of Harry Potter around the corner. It was going to be so hectic and wild and noisy and not conducive to record um, a lot of episodes, which, which we are doing over these few days. So what was I to do? I booked all the guests, and it had been a real headache, so much so that I did get a headache actually trying to sort all these guests out because it's quite hard when you're, you're trying to place people and book them all around. As you know, all last year I was filming in Manchester and I was very lucky to stay in, not a hotel, an apart hotel. And You know these apart hotels, they're popping up everywhere. But there's one incredible apart hotel that I have stayed in uh, in Manchester, especially, and they're called Native. Now, Native are beautiful, roomy, cosy, such tasteful apartments. I'm not just bigging up here. They are really nice. I mean, I'm looking right now. There's a gorgeous blue velvet sofa. There's some nice artwork on the corner. I've got a sink. I've got a cooker. I've got a microwave, dishwasher, a beautiful, gorgeous bed. Um, so there's ones in London, Manchester, and Glasgow. And we are right now at Native in Bankside. And the Native group have been so kind to the Two Shot Podcast. They have given us a room, well, I say a room, they've given us a one-bedroom apartment to record in for two days at Bankside. And when I say Bankside, this is a hop, skip, and a jump to the Tate Modern. So if you need an apartment hotel, go and check out nativeplaces.com because they will look after you and sort you out. And their staff are gorgeous. I'm really good pals with all the ones in Manchester because I've been staying there for so bloody long. They're probably pig sick of me. And we arrived today at Native and Bankside and... Um, the staff could not have been more helpful. So a massive, massive thank you to native places, Manchester, Glasgow and London. Go check them out. Honestly, you won't be disappointed. Now, I know this is a long intro, don't worry, stick with me, we're nearly there. Um, all the messages for Clint Boone last week. What a gorgeous man, gorgeous episode. And I had a lot of messages about the fact that we kicked off with the homeschooling and the home education stuff that went on um, for quite a fair while, didn't it? But I love educating myself about this, and so many of you went, I didn't know anything about that, Craig, I didn't know anything about that. Um, and there were some people that got in contact with me and said, Craig, I'm so pleased that this has been brought to light because I homeschool my children and sometimes I've, I do feel a bit isolated. Um, so I'm really pleased that we brought that to light. So massive, massive thank you to Clint. There's one more thing before we get on to episode 114 with Stephen. Um, 
on Monday of this week, uh, the 17th of February, uh, Andrew Weatherall passed away. And I was leaving um, my friend's flat this morning to come to Native Bankside to start recording. And there was a quote played out on the radio and it really hit home with me and I wanted to, to, to read it out to you before we get into the episode. So this is a quote from Andrew Weatherall, who sadly passed away on Monday, the 17th of February. If you're involved in art in any way and you describe what you do as a job, people think that somehow you're demeaning it, that art is produced by people who live in this ethereal world without much basis in actually working. But there's a big difference between that and a career. See, I've never thought of it as a career. I've never had a, so where will you be in five years' time and a career plan? Like, I must be at this point of the ladder. I think that careerism in art in general, not just in music, is a dangerous thing. Because if your plan isn't working, you may start cutting corners and you may start making decisions based on money or where you think you should be on the career ladder. Andrew Weatherall who sadly passed away this Monday, 17th of February. Okay, let's get down to it. This is episode 114 of the Two Shot Podcast with Stephen Kavuma. Enjoy. I will see you at the end. Oh, I just had to have a, a little sip, Stephen. <laughs> of this lovely wine <laughs> that we've been given because it's been a long day for me and yeah. I'm sure it's been a long day for you what have you been doing today? Um, I've been um, in a room with a writer with a director um, and we've sort of talking about our identity as Welsh people right um, and it's just been a long day because you come because you're doing are you doing tour at the moment? yes I'm touring at the moment working on Holes do you know the, the play? play? yeah 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 of yeah. course so it's touring around England, so we're in Coventry at the moment. How long is that for? Five months. Five months tour. Yeah. How are you on a tour? Huh? How are you on a tour? I'm, I've never been on a tour before, so it's oh, the right. first. Yeah, it's it's a lot of learning. Do you know what I mean? Um, As is everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And sort of like experiencing being away from family and like friends and loved ones, and yeah, it's mad. Are you at the start of it? Yeah. I think this is venue number four. Right, so everything's kind of new, it's still yeah. exciting. Yeah. And we'll, we'll yeah. touch base again about, <laughs> <laughs> about month three. You go quick, I just want to go home. Yeah, we will be tired of it. Because yeah. it's so interesting, I'm so pleased that we've managed to make this date work because yeah. I think we've been discussing you coming on here for Two years. Yes, yes. Literally was saying to the person I was in the room with, like saying, this has been going on for two years. Yeah. Like, mental that. And I was feeling, oh God, I hope Steve is not losing faith in me. <laughs> I want him on because I really desperately have. Yeah. But it's just, as with, and I've got to say this so much, but as with everything on the podcast, it's just about making dates work yeah. with people and not just actors, with everybody who yeah. comes on. And... Predominantly last year, 
up until like last week, mm. I was based like in Manchester for all that time, oh just doing gosh. sort of back to back jobs and then zipping home and yeah. seeing my little boy and then coming back. And yeah. so that's why a lot of the stuff last year was, was all pretty much Northern based because mm. I couldn't get out. But obviously me and Griff had to carry on getting the episodes out there. So it's like sourcing people. Who's in the North? Yeah. Like you grab you, you're coming <laughs> on. <laughs> but I'm really, really thrilled that we've we've managed to get a sit down even on two days off your tour and yeah, you're still it's alright you're Thank still you. packing it in <laughs> but do you remember when we first met and we were at the BFI yeah and we were on stage and I mean yeah. we could have for those who maybe there's some people listening who were there yeah and I don't think we had that long. I think that was about an hour slot mm. we had. And there was a few of us on stage. There was me, there was you, there was David, there was Shaheen, there was Des, there was Ed Kemp from RADA. There was quite a lot of people there. Yeah. And a, a pretty much a full house at the BFI. Mm. Brilliantly chaired by Danny Lee, who, yeah. you know, is so passionate about mm. loads of stuff that we're probably going to touch on tonight. Um but I always felt this is a wider, this is a bigger discussion yeah. because there was just so many questions being banded about from, from us on stage to some very, very articulate, passionate people in the audience mm. about class and about divide and about questions and yeah. where are the answers and who's at the table, yeah. why aren't I there, what's going on? And then I remember there was one point there was a quite aggressive... Um, couple of people mm. who were certainly not taking anything mm. for an not not they were taking anything for an answer, but they refused to acknowledge certain things, and I think that kind of didn't need to be shut down. But it's like, well, we've only got an hour to talk about these things. That is yeah. not enough. Yeah. And then I remember speaking to you and going. Why do I know about the Diversity School Initiative? Why have I never heard of this? I should, yeah. I've, you know, I kind of pride myself. I've got my finger <laughs> on the balls about these type of things. I'm going, what the fuck? <laughs> and that's when I went, right, me and Stephen need to sit down. But before we get to that, yep. um, I want to go back. Uh-huh. To, I want to go back to growing up. Yeah. So let's talk about growing up. Let's talk about Swansea. Yeah. It's growing up, oh man. I think, yeah, it was a tough experience. It was a tough world. So I came from Uganda to Swansea. Yeah. At the age of like seven or eight. Um, and you came over here because for for your parents for work or no, how did just, it go? Just, I don't even know. Like, I've never had that, like, sit down with my parents. I think it's just starting afresh, starting right. a new world um, and a new life. Um, and yeah, was this just you, Stephen, or do you no, your siblings? Me, my siblings, my two other siblings, right? Um, um, my brother, and my sister, yeah, um, my mum and my dad, and yeah, it was weird because everyone was white in Swansea. Um, you know, we lived on a on a street, and every family was white, yeah. and we were the only black family on our street. And this was around two thousand and four, two thousand and five. So it was weird, do you know what I mean? Um, and strange and alienating. Um, and I think as a child as well, you are sort of exposed to race 
a different kind of pace, which you don't even understand yourself. You don't know who you are because no one's told you you are black. Mm. No one, because do you know what I mean? No one's had that chat with you. No. So you're sort of kind of going through school, looking at other people, thinking you want to be like them and then understanding you can't be like them for certain reasons. You can't gel your hair because you don't have that kind of hair type. You know, you don't have thin lips and, you know, long nose and all those things. And regardless of that, every child kind of wants to fit Fit in in. and be this. Desperately. I remember thinking... Oh, there's no Craigs at school. Yeah. I've got a stupid name. I, I wanna be I wanna be a Daniel or a Jonathan, you know, yeah. so I can be the same. But like yeah. and now we're going, I wanna stand out. Yeah. I wanna be the individual, but yeah. Yeah. But it's like that is like it's like at another rate when you're a black kid. Like it's like it's a crazy because not only is there not a, another person I like I certainly you. wasn't trying to make no, that no, no, comparison no, 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 man no, no. at but all. But it's like no, I know what you're saying because yeah. it's like times that feeling with the idea of growing up with this sort of identity struggle or this idea of you don't know who you are, Mm. you don't know why you are here. Especially being in Swansea. Exactly. And I think at the time also, like, I was speaking to my head teacher from primary and he was saying how at the time he they didn't have black kids before in the school. So it was really new for them to understand race and racism. Like I was picked on a lot of times, you know, I spent my lunch times with my head teacher. My head teacher was my best friend. You know, I had lots of names. Um, and it was, it was a very alienating and isolating experience. But were the teachers open to being educated at that time? Or did you feel a little bit out to sea? I don't know if they were because I don't know if I could educate them at the age of like nine or ten. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, of course. I, like I didn't know about my race and my identity. Of course, I knew I was black, but I didn't know what that even meant and um, and what history that has or whatever. And I don't think it's any fading to do with my parents, but it's sort of a um, of a thing of like just as a kid you don't know you don't know this this world but did you understand and or maybe did you feel that you were encountering racism at that age if you were at school yeah you knew so you knew you you could acknowledge I knew there was a difference right I knew there was a difference Mm. um and that difference spoke in volumes about how I'd be treated or how I'd be last to get picked for things or how I would, you know, suddenly lunchtime comes and no one wants to play with me. And, you know, all those things were kind of picked on or how I got my nickname, Monkey. Like, all these oh, kind of things. Really? But it's like, yeah, but it's also like, as a kid, you don't, you, you're unaware of it. Everyone as a kid has a nickname. So you also want a nickname. Yeah. And for me, I was proud of having this nickname as Monkey and then realising what it meant yeah, later on. The connotations, on, the connotations of it. Um, but it's like, for those kids, it was a big joke that I never really understood. Yeah. But I think it was a whole desperation of wanting friends and wanting to be in a friendship with some... Wanting to belong, you know, wanting mm. to desperately belong yeah. and be part of it. And I think that's sort of my... Welsh, like, Welshness and Welsh struggle is I desperately, and still now, I desperately want to belong in this in this place. I see myself as a Welshman, as well as a Ugandan. Yeah. Um, and I want to be one with them. And I feel like sometimes that identity is always rejected, 
you know, you can't be black and Welsh. That's not allowed. Um, so it's hard, but it's, yeah. Even more so in the industry yeah. as well as yeah. life, which I'm sure, you know, we're going to yeah. dissect, I'm sure, at some point during this. Hmm. So with the struggles with school, did were your siblings older than you or younger? My, my, I had an older brother yeah. uh, and a younger sister uh, just by one year. Um, and it was tough because my older brother was really popular. So he was the head boy, you know. Oh, really? He was in the rugby team. Like, he was extremely popular. And I'd never understood that. But, and my sisters were always really popular. So I was the odd one from them. I didn't understand this world that was in. But what I now understand is that they were incredible at assimilating. And this is what I'm trying to get towards, like, you know, as I get older. Mm. But assimilating to survive, you know and not understanding what assimilation is as a kid, but how your older siblings or your parents understand that yeah, and really assimilate and be part of that culture, you know? At one time, my mum was saying that my sister's starting to stand Welsh, and that was her assimilating into that culture, into that world, and I was like, oh, my God, I can't understand that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So it's really strange. Yeah. Because they had a lovely experience... And that's absolutely true to them, but I had a really horrendous experience. We were, like, living different worlds. Who was your lifeline at that time? Like, was it your parents? I mean, you you said before that, like, your head teacher became, like, one of your best friends. Yeah, my head teacher was my best friend. Like, I said, as it was, it was... I, I got excited going to lunchtime because I was like, oh, okay, cool. It's just me and Mr. Morgan and we're going to play snakes and ladders or we're going to play chess together or we're just going to talk about whatever. And, and yeah, and we never really spoke about why I wasn't playing with so-and-so. But I think he knew. Well, I was going to say, I mean? he and must he, have he protected known. me from that. He really protected me from that. And I thank him a lot because it was like... Um, yeah, it would have been a really sad... At least I had a friend. Yeah, And I didn't course. have a friend. Yeah. And I do remember one lunchtime, I think he was so fed up with the exercise of having to sacrifice his lunchtimes for me, which is absolutely fair enough. Do you know what I mean? He's the head teacher of a school, you yeah. know, he's running it. And this is his free time where he's not sort of having free time, he's having to look after me. So he went outside... And he got the ball off all the boys in the playground and he said, you are going to play with Stephen and if you don't play, then you'll be in trouble. And he just got the ball off them and he gave them to, he gave it to me. And I just remember feeling just like, wow. I don't know what this feeling is. I don't know why this has happened. I thought I was going to get in trouble. I thought I was going to be, do you know what I mean? He yeah, didn't tell yeah. me anything. Yeah. He just stormed out of his office and he took the ball off the boys and, and that was it. And I just remember feeling just like, Wow, like, but you know, you're saying that to me now, and I'm going, well, maybe it wasn't that that he was sacrificing his lunch. Maybe he was so frustrated with the fact how other children, yeah, were treating you, yeah, that they, you know, because children, because I've got an eight and a half year old mm. boy, and about a month ago, I was talking, I was doing a podcast with uh, a lovely fella in Manchester, and him and his wife homeschool their three children and 
I needed to be educated by that because I, I, when someone says homeschool to me, I just think, oh my god, that that just it, it seems so full on to me and so scary, mm. and I don't know enough about it to have an educated opinion. So I wanted him to, and he and he did. He really, yeah. really did. And he was so passionate about it, and I was saying to him, but what about? integration with other children because children learn off other children yeah. so and he was going well you know we we go on uh, trips together and there's a big community of home educated children so there's a you know we all mix together so when you're saying that to me I'm going well maybe he just thinks that Stephen needs to be with his other children and these children need to be educated yeah to play yeah absolutely because it's so important it's yeah. so vital mm you know, through the pitfalls and the failures of uh, being a child. So what age are we here, Stephen? What are we talking? How old are we here? I think I was like nine. Also not long off yeah, no. my little boy's age at all. No, not at all. And so young and so clueless in the world. And yeah, and I remember... so brittle as, yeah. a, as a child. Yeah, literally. I do remember going home that day thinking, wow. Like, I was in shock thinking... Someone had to take a ball off you and force you to play with me. And I just remember feeling that feeling like, yeah, I was happy. I was playing football with the other lads. Yeah, whatever. But then I think the reality of it hit me yeah. of what it had to take for, for that their, to happen. Yes. Yeah. For eventually for, for me to be seen. Because it wasn't a natural progression no, at no. all it was it was forced yeah yeah so it took somebody to empower yeah someone with in, in a greater state of power to go right yeah listen yeah this needs to happen now. yeah and you're sort of discovering that at a young age you're sort of discovering your own race and how your race makes others feel that's why i was like and i'm still interested in it's like how my skin color makes these other kids feel they don't want to play with me they call me silly names all these things like just makes you feel like do you know what I mean you don't belong like you shouldn't be here yeah and it's really yeah it's a really tough thing as a kid to especially go through especially when your brother and sister aren't going they're not yeah having that situation yeah. or going through what you're yeah, going through absolutely did you feel you could speak to your parents about what you were going through at that time not really because i think for us it was about surviving and assimilating into this culture race and racism were difficult topics to bring up in um, such a predominantly yes white community yes, absolutely um and i I I don't remember trying to speak about race as a kid to my parents, but I do remember feeling the vibe that I couldn't. Right. It's really strange. It's really I, interesting, yeah, though. I do remember feeling that I weren't able to say so-and-so has done this, and this has happened to me, and this is why. And I think it's to do with... Maybe because you didn't know why. Yeah. At such a young age. Yeah. No. Yeah. God, so, yeah, so much to and, deal yeah. with at such a young age. Exactly, and because you don't know how to communicate it, you're also internalizing a lot of it. Mm. So a lot of it became me being angry and me being aggressive and me being not enjoying school at all. And I didn't have the words to say, "I am not having fun here. 
I'm not enjoying education and, and I don't feel like I want to be here. Those words were very, very difficult and I couldn't say those words. And yeah, it was very painful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really painful. Because uh, if you're going to repress those feelings and emotions time yeah. and time again the dams are going to burst at yeah. some point and it's going to come out in whatever yeah. form, whether it be vocal or physical. Yes. Like I remember slapping a girl at school because she looked at me funny. I mean, this is, this is what it was, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like it was like a really weird look at me that I felt like she's looking at me as if I was shit or something. So she was judge. you felt she was judging yes. you? yeah. And I just snapped. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was those kind of things were happening, you know. But it yeah. obviously wasn't her. No, you know, it, it wasn't, wasn't her. No. It was what happened. happened the build-up to the that. The build-up to she that. Just, yeah, absolutely. The, the branch broke. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. understand that. I can, I, mean, I can understand you telling yeah. me, you know. So how did, what was the progression with school? If it Did it get worse? I mean, you're talking about you know anger um obviously we're talking about physical situations that you're getting yourself into yeah. here and you're not enjoying education yeah did things go downhill yeah i mean at the heart of it i wanted to fit in and i couldn't that's the, at, the, at the heart of it i wanted to to fit in and I just couldn't but you were striving to fit in and yes. you weren't being let in yeah and that really annoyed me and frustrated me mm. and it just felt like I was knocking on a door that didn't want to be opened and I just kept on knocking and knocking and I think that just made me really hate education at that time because I just I, I wasn't excited as a kid to go and wake up in the morning and go to school as other kids were. I wasn't excited to play because I was like the trauma of being in the playground and not being able to play with your other mates. Yeah, is 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 hard. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I was one of those kids who I wanted to be in the lesson as long as it could. Want to be in that classroom as long as possible. So you didn't have to be out yeah. in that situation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, to kind of deal with those kind of setting and the environment. Yeah. Were teachers supportive in any way? Not really. Not really. Because I think I'd call that racism and I'd say, okay, so-and-so's called me a monkey or so-and-so's pulled my afro or they've threatened me. But like... what? Do, when you say threatened, what did they say to you? They would just say, re I can't really remember, but they would say really... Well, you, you, you knew it yeah. was a threat. Yeah. Right, okay. And... I would say this to them and it just wouldn't be taken seriously. And I think the more that I would say it, because at that time I was taught to just, if something's happening, say it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I was, as as much as it was happening, I was saying it and it became constant. And then it felt as if I was lying. That's the feeling that I got as a kid. At that yeah. age. I, felt, I felt like, okay, they don't believe me. But it's actually just, it just keeps on happening. And I'm just reporting it yeah can we deal with it and do something about it and I don't think they did it you know I remember one time um we were in the school playground and this kid kicked a ball in my face and then pulled my afro 
So he obviously did it on purpose. Yes. Yeah. And I remember that vivid image. And I remember telling the head teacher at the time, it was a different school. I remember telling the head teacher at the time of this school, and he didn't believe me. That and then, was... like, what do you what do you do then? Like, what do you do when you have experienced that that brutality or that violence as a kid, and then you tell someone who's supposed to protect you and you're supposed to help you, yeah. and they don't believe you? I don't know. Yeah, I generally don't know. Yeah. So you talked about moving schools then, so we're in a different school now. Yeah. What what happened? Why did you have to move schools? I I think it was because that we were sort of becoming our family was sort of becoming um close with the with the church that we were on. And right. the church had a school um which was so far away. And also that they kind of my parents spun it and kind of said that we're moving schools to start new for you. And I was thinking, what's that mean? And then I always felt that I was the problem of it, if that makes sense. It makes complete sense, yeah. though um, a child shouldn't bear that burden yeah. and feel like that, but I understand yeah. where you're coming from. Yeah. yeah, I always felt that we're moving schools because of me. Oh, I'm too naughty, or I'm too aggressive, or I get angry, or this isn't it, it's happened, and this isn't it, happened. And then I thought, okay, this will be good. I'll, I'll start again, have some new friends. We'll just start afresh. Um, but it was similar experience but it was different because people in my year group didn't want to play with me so I had no friends in my year group I'd always still, make friends so that's still happening. that was still happening but I had friends in the year below me right okay yeah so when people would be like well why is Stephen playing with the year fours and the year fives why, why is he doing that be like well those are the only people who want to play with me those are the, the only friends I have so you know as is now, it's kind of sometimes a rule for life, isn't it? Even as an adult, I'll go where I'm accepted. Yeah. If if, if I'm banging on this door, I want to play with these people. Yeah. And they're not opening the door, but these are. I want to go with these people. Yeah. Exactly. So, what were the teachers saying there? I mean, apart from this PE teacher, was it? Oh no, the head teacher yeah. who didn't believe you. Yeah. Did you find any more of a supportive network? within the high ranking of the teachers yeah. there. Oh, Steve, no, man, really. this is fucking breaking me. Yeah. No. And it, I would definitely remember if I did. Of course you would, because it mean, only takes one yeah, teacher. To be like, wow. Um, and that's why I remember Mr Morgan so much. Yeah, of course. Because, like, he... Yeah. There was an incredible um, programme on Radio 4 the other day, and it was about inspirational teachers... And they had all these people ringing up and going, I remember this teacher because he did... And we didn't even have a close connection, but he did this one thing for me and it completely turned me around. Mm. And oh, so all it takes is just one teacher yeah. to do one thing. Literally. And it doesn't matter if... They might not even see it as a big deal. No. But for you, it changed huge. everything. It's huge. Yeah. So... Did school life at this new school get any better or did it get progressively worse? Or did it sort of flatline and just carry on as... I sort of got better at dealing with it. Right. That's one thing I, that improved. When you say get better, do you mean you got stronger? Yeah. Right, okay. 
I, I sort of I was got, very careful. Yeah. I didn't want to put words into your mouth yeah. because I'm just sort of trying to piece the story together as yeah. we go along, obviously. I sort of got stronger with dealing with it and understanding it, understanding where that comes from and sort of becoming the clown. So I joked with it. Ah, right. I mean? Okay, well, that's an interesting that, way to go because you could have... Because when I said stronger, you could have gone, right, I got harder as a person and the walls came no. down, but you went the other yeah. way, so you went the clown route. Yeah. Okay, again, a form of acceptance. Yeah. Which I totally understand. Yeah. I was like, okay, you want to laugh at my afro? We'll laugh at my afro. But at my expense, yeah, for, yeah okay. Yeah. You want to laugh at my weird accent? We'll laugh at it. You know? It was, it was that. And, yeah. It was my way of surviving. It was my own way, and it was on my own terms. So you were taking power back for yeah. you in in whatever little way you could. Mm. God, sounds like you're maturing faster than what you should have been. To be honest, <laughs> as a child, do you know what I mean? Yeah. God, you, you, as much as academically, it didn't seem you were that bothered. You're, yeah. You're growing up a little bit too quickly. Yeah. You know? Do you think you felt that at the time? Or if you look back on it, you went, yeah, I probably did. I think I felt that at the time. I felt, I think, I think you needed to. I, as, I, a, as a survival mechanism. Yeah. I think you needed to be able to survive it and to be able to, like, take it on. I don't know. I don't think... Had I not, I think it would have been a different outcome. Had I not, like, matured faster, you know, and quickly... Um, it would have been a real different outcome for me. I mean, for, you know, I'm listening to all this. I'm a fucking a white lad from Blackpool. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I know nothing about any sort of struggles yeah. that we you would go through yeah. at all. Mm. So all I can do is listen and we kind of piece these things together and I'm going, I'm, you know, yeah. it shocks me. Mm. It does shock me. Because do you, you don't mind me asking how old you are, do you? No, not at all. Go on now, old you? Do you a little bit? Cause you I a do little a little bit. bit. <laughs> so I can beep it out. Okay. I'm just trying to piece it together. Because, yeah. um, like, I was born in 1976, yeah. right? You definitely weren't. No. So 76, when I was going through school, yeah. was a very different time, I think, for when you were going through school. Yeah. I can only but imagine. Yeah. You don't have to say your age, but that's what I'm <laughs> saying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I went through a predominantly very white school really? with teachers who, some teachers were great. I have certainly one teacher who I'm still in touch with to this day who does listen to this. Really? Yeah, well, I still nice. see him now. It was great. It was a massive inspiration for yeah. me. But there were certain teachers there who were not. And... Yeah, you know, should never have been allowed to do what they did mm. in in mm. any educational system mm. or office place or any any place really, to be honest. Yeah, but you know, I never encountered. We had one Indian girl at our school when I was growing mm. up, so I didn't meet any person who wasn't white until I came to London in 1997. Wow. Exactly. So I needed to be educated. Yeah. Yeah. And 
sometimes I think, well, we need to be educated earlier, you know, yeah. looking back on it so, now. Yeah. I think it's, well, yeah. Yeah. So what... But I think we need to understand race and racism. And I mm. think we... I think there's something really patronising about doing Black History Month and, like, talking about the Windrush or, like, talking about slavery. That's, that's something really patronising that we can pat ourselves on the back and say, OK, we've talked about that. Or, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Or yeah, we, learn, yeah, because we learn about the Windrush or we learn about slavery. Well, they're good then. They must know it all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But we don't understand the undertones of racism and race and how that plays into the everyday life you know how what it is to be looked as other we don't know that and those things start at school and then spread from school to college university to work life to then every day just walking around being a human yeah those yeah and also it bleeds down certainly what I see sometimes from generation to generation because the older generation don't know so therefore it gets passed down yeah. to the children yeah so as uneducated as these lot are on the bottom rung of the ladder mm. it's these guys fault and I say guys in inverted commas because it bleeds down because they yeah. don't know any better and I'm not excusing this yeah. at all I'm just saying if the education started sooner mm. without as you were saying let's just well we'll just throw a token here let's do Black History Month mm. and then we'll move on to something else yeah so what did you experience things like that at school was anything in the two schools that I went to in Wells we never did Black History Month we never talked. It was so strange. Not even, not even Black History. Not even. It was so, so strange. It was as if I didn't exist. It was as if anyone who was not white did not exist. Like when we, you know, we had school paintings and stuff, everyone was white. You know, you had little figures of stuff and it was all, all white and it was strange. And it still is to, to some of it. You know, I went there quite recently to see the school and a lot of it is still... You went, so you went back to yeah. see the school? Yeah. Yeah. For what purpose? For research. Right, okay. Uh, <laughs> always research, Stephen. <laughs> For research. How... Was, was that your first time going back? To the school, yeah. How was that? Strange. Strange because I could see all those... It was so ghostly because I could see all those experiences that I had as a kid, but now I'm an adult. And there was something about being in that hall, in this Victorian hall that we had, um, and feeling bigger than it. There was something about feeling bigger than all of it. It's strange, because at that age I felt really small and I felt like I couldn't. And of course you are, you are physically small. Yeah, but, um, yeah. But, but you in, know, more way, in more ways, yeah. yeah, I can't begin to imagine. But I felt like I was able to... I was bigger than it. Mm. And there'll be the head teachers who taught, I mean, the head teacher doesn't teach there, but the, the deputy head teacher who was there still is there. Their teachers who are still there, and I just felt bigger than them. And it was so strange. And I'm not talking about status. No. I'm not talking about this whole kind of like power play or whatever. I'm talking about feeling like I couldn't be 
attacked or I couldn't be, nothing could happen to me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you felt, apart from feeling stronger, you felt safer. And yes. Yeah. Nothing could harm you. Yeah. Because yeah. you were kind of bulletproof in that yeah. way. So what else could harm you? Yeah. And that's a strength. Yeah. We talk about being stronger before, but not being hardened. Yeah. We were talking about being the class clown a bit because then you were, you retained that power. Mm. So you were the orchestra, the orchestrator of that. Yeah. And did that, being that clown and taking that power back, did that help you progress through the educational system then? In what sense? In like... In protecting yourself from any other words or bullies or things that had got you down in the past. Yeah, it did. It did. I was sort of to, I was sort of able to laugh at it and like take the piss out of it. It didn't and see hurt it, and me. you kind of see it for what it was yeah. a bit more. Yeah. It didn't hurt me as it did before. There were just names now. And I was like, oh, I'm over that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, like, I can. Yeah. I can certainly understand. I can empathise with yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, of course. They're just names. I can never, I, yeah. I can never truly yeah. understand, yeah, 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 but yeah. I can certainly hear what you're saying. Yeah, and I, I was, yeah, I was sort of done with it. But what I think I wasn't done with was wanting to be accepted, right. and which I still have a deep yearning for, and I, e- even now, even now, of wanting to be accepted as a Welsh person, mm. you know, and that is, you know, that goes from being a kid. Of course. You know, it goes from being in that classroom and nobody wanting to talk to me, goes to going in that playground and suddenly you have no friends. But it's like, I want my fellow country people to recognise me as a Welsh person. And accept. And accept me. And I think there's a lot of other black Welsh people I'm speaking to who sort of have these this similar feeling of wanting to be accepted. Yeah. Not wanting to feel like they're alien or they're sort of invaders, but wanting to feel like this is my home. Do you know what I mean? This is this is my land. As much as it's yours, this is also mine. Yeah. You know. Yeah. One thing we haven't really touched on yet is friendship. Yeah. And I'm really concerned that young Stephen doesn't have any friends really to speak of yet, apart from that old headmaster from the first school. Yeah. I formed a relationship with this girl. Nothing romantic. It wasn't like that. I think one day she saw me in the classroom, she was saying, she saw me in the classroom and she felt sorry for me. And she was like, why is he alone? And she said hi to me. And we laughed and we just made jokes. Right. And Always a good icebreaker, isn't it? <laughs> and, yeah, I, w- I felt seen. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I wasn't invisible. Somebody recognised me. Who made the first move to talk yeah. to you. Yeah, absolutely. And I still talk to her. Oh, today. do you? Even yeah. now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, like, I connected with her on Facebook. Um, and messaged her and met up with her and it was really nice and 
because I remember coming to London and like not telling anyone from Wales that we were moving to London. And we were all she, moving as a family. Yeah. Right. And she um, put in this Facebook message saying, I remember saying, um, where's my best friend and why did he go? And that really, like, do you know what I mean, that really, like, I didn't know she was my best friend. No, no. So I didn't know I had a best friend. Like, there was something really... Oh, God, that's really, really beautiful. special about, yeah. about that. And, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I formed a really lovely relationship with her, and it was really nice. So Katie Davis and Mr Morgan were, like, my best friends. Yeah. Oh, kind of shot mood at the last God, so we, you're leaving school now at this age and academically, did you get back on track? Because I know it wasn't going great. But what I'm thinking about is when you kind of took the power back and became the clown, did anything come back on form with education-wise? Not really. Not really. I hated the setting, man. I hated the whole environment of test, 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 and, like, do this, speak this, do whatever, be this good. I hated it. It wasn't... It is, and it still has a way of feeling like prison. That's the... That's school for you. I mean, nobody knows how to teach anymore. And nobody... I think the system that we have at the moment, the way the government is kind of, like, working around it, doesn't allow good teachers to teach properly. And it's really sad. And you see some teachers just teaching for the sake of it and they're not enjoying it. No. Um, and that's disheartening for a student. Do you of know course, what I mean? Of course, because it's not inspirational in any no, way. not at it's all. It's like... <sighs> I can only sort of compare it to, you know, the stuff that we do when you're working with a director who doesn't really care and just wants to sort of get on with it and yeah. finish the day. Yeah. And make sure that they've done everything that they can on a sheet. Yeah. So they're work you know, they're basically working from a book. Yeah. Whereas, as we know, the greatest teachers will not work from a book, they'll work from the heart and from the gut and they'll yeah. play with with the students and yeah. they'll build relationships together mm. uh, that is producer Griff just pouring myself <laughs> and Steve a little more glass of wine <laughs> just in case you wondered what that was <laughs> anyway back to the conversation <laughs> um, so it didn't get back on track no and what were your feelings about after school at this point? Because obviously you're probably being talked to by your parents about what's going to happen after school and educational advisors and career advisors. Yeah. So I kind of, I went to, um, when we moved to London, I went to a primary school called Broadwater Farm. Sorry, just let me stop you. So we went from Swansea. Whereabouts in London were you? Tottenham. Right, so you went to North London in yeah. Tottenham. Okay. Um, and I moved to Wood Green the first time I moved from Blackpool really? to Wood Green. Yeah. <laughs> from Blackpool Cold to shock, Wood Green. Isn't it? Oh my God. <laughs> I'm sure I've said this before on the podcast, but it was the first time I got on the tube and I got off with all my bags at Euston Station and I got on the tube going, where am I going? Where am I going? Yeah. I'm going to Wood Green. Literally. There's the Piccadilly line. Get the Piccadilly line. And the rocking of the tube just sort of 
just sort of lulled yeah. me to sleep and I woke up at Heathrow I was on the wrong line let's <laughs> come all the way back with all these bags and then I hit Wood Green yeah so Tottenham right yeah which was a yeah it was a it was a huge learning experience man because like suddenly there were people who looked like me yeah you know there were black people who looked like I did. And I thought, automatically, I'm going to make friends. Automatically, okay. this is going to happen. I've <laughs> because got a this, is what, this is not going to go the This way, was what I, I was lacking, was... wasn't it? It was yeah. the fact that there weren't any black kids at Swansea that I couldn't have any friends. Yeah. But then I didn't have friends. All right. Which then became about Stephen Speaks Funny. Oh, Stephen's from this place called Swansea and we don't know where that is. And, like, Stephen keeps talking about Wells. And it's like, I was the odd kid out. And again. Yes, again. <laughs> and then I realised, I mean, I didn't realise it at the time. I'm realising this, like, in my third year of university, that there are different and many layers of blackness. And I was at one of them and they were another layer. And we never came together in understanding our differences as black people. And I think that was that was education in primary school. It was sort of thinking, for me in London, sort of thinking, oh gosh, I don't have any friends now. And I don't know why I don't have any friends because I, I'm black. <laughs> I should yeah. have friends. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, oh no, we're of a different, do you know what I mean? Can you educate me a bit more on this? When you say, when you say different levels of blackness, are we talking about... Uh, heritage or what What are we talking what are we discussing we're talking about like culture culture we're talking about like some of the boys that were living in you know in, were from the school that I went to were Londoners like proper Londoners right I wasn't a Londoner no I had no idea of what London is you know they were talking about the movies like Kid at Hood and all this stuff and all this slang I had no reference point to all of that stuff so, like that, the questioning of how black am I came to my mind because I had no idea of these things that they were talking about or discussing. I didn't know Tottenham. I didn't know the history of Broadwater Farm. Yeah. Or the riots or those kind of big things that they knew because they lived on their state. And probably lived through it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't know that stuff. And I felt excluded for not knowing that stuff. But it's that kind of thing. They didn't you, want to know about my Welshness. I was going to say, you didn't feel that you were letting... No. No. So it was that whole other thing of knocking on a door and wanting to be accepted again. And again not being let in. And not, again not being let in at this door. Yeah. So what age are we now when we've moved to... We're 12. Oh, my God. I yeah. just, you know, for some reason, I thought you were going to say like we were like 17 or 16. No, we're 12. We're still 12. Yeah. So we're just starting to slowly move into yeah. puberty and we've got all sorts yeah. of other baggage. Yeah, but this is confusing. So this is literally confusing small Stephen. He's thinking, what the hell is all of this stuff? Why are black people or the black kids at school not wanting to play with me now? Yeah. What the hell does that mean? Like, what is that? You know, it's literally confusing me and thinking, who am I? Where do I stand? 
and with who do I stand with, you know? But again, were you able to speak to anybody about this, like your your parents? No. Any... No one. Yeah. I can't... I, I realised it in my third year of drama school when I was writing a dissertation about it. Which I can't wait to get onto because <laughs> yeah. you know we've got a lot to talk about about that. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That was when I realised it. I mean, just jumping ahead, I mean, I can't imagine... And well, that dissertation um, will slowly build up to that, man, but we can jump around the time yeah. scale on this anyway, I don't mind. Must have been like some sort of therapy for you to, yeah, to it get was. out. Yeah. Because you know I've read bits of it. Yeah. <laughs> it was a beautiful release. I bet. Well, I can only but yeah. imagine, man. It was a beautiful release, like to understand the timeline and to understand my acceptance my my yearning of acceptance mm. in different groups of people and why that is and where does that come from in terms of history and like you know before me where does that come from yeah you know i mean yeah we i think a lot of it is to do with representation do you know what i mean it's like we are still yet to fully have realised three-dimensional black characters on stage, on screen, on radio. Like, who are different, completely different and completely nuanced and completely unique. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because it's so easy yeah. to follow the stereotype yeah. because we see it again and again and again. And it's dull. Yeah. And it's not helpful. And yeah. It doesn't educate anybody in any way. Yeah. And I'm not saying, I think what I'm not saying is that those stories of kidhood or whatever, or those stories, those stories exist. Like, I know they exist. I know they're true. Yeah, of course. Um, but they don't need to be repeated again and again. No. But also, like, I also want my story to be shown. Yeah, of course. You know, I was talking to a director today and, and she was saying, you know, if you were watching this play, what do you want from it? And it's like, I want a mirror. Right. I want a mirror because everyone else has been afforded a mirror, but I haven't. I haven't seen a young black Welsh boy struggling with his identity on stage before. No. And I want to see that because I want to see what I went through. I want to see it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see it on screen is what I want to see. I'm sure everybody listening to this right now goes, yeah, I want to see that. And definitely because I've never seen yeah. that before. Yeah. And not just because I've never seen it before, because it's obviously a story that should be told. Mm. Because it's a human story. Yeah. And just, like, imagine how many black kids in Wales are going kind of through this or, like... Oh, my God. ...discovering their identity... For the first time or ever. Have you, I know you were saying when you were going back um, to the old school, mm. did you discover any young black kids that were there at that school at the time that were possibly going through anything that you were going through? I didn't get to speak to any of the kids um, when I went back. Oh. So I think it was holidays and the whole school was empty. I'm but, going now, you've got to go back and like uh, yeah. do a talk or something. I want to. I really do. But it's also hard as well because maybe those kids haven't recognised their race yet. 
in in that way. Yeah, but sure, I mean, but surely as you're doing now, yeah. you can only speak from your point of view yeah. and you can only tell your story. Mm. It's not about preaching in any way. It's about your te- you telling your story because that's your personal story. Yeah. And it, hopefully people can take something from it. Yeah. Absolutely. So Tottenham. Yeah. Please tell me things got better. Tottenham, I went to secondary school and things got better. Why? I think again I was Sorry, able... that was quite a why, yeah. Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> why did they not get it worse? It's because I'm like that. So, no, I don't want, I want to be better. But I know life is not like that. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know, like, I think I understood it. I was starting to understand it in terms of my race, right. their race, yeah. our differences. Mm-hmm. I was sort of to understand it. Then I was sort of starting to play it. So I suppressed my Welsh accent that I had. I, you, you know. Right, because, which, because, you, because you felt that, like you were forced to, do you think? Or were you trying to do it to fit in? To fit in. Right, okay. Went away, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was doing it to fit in with, with everyone. I didn't want to be strange. I didn't want to be weird. I didn't want to be the person with the funny accent. And you're a young kid. Yeah, it sounds exactly. what we were talking about right at the start. God, yeah. we, all, we all want to, kids, yeah. kids across the board want to fit in. Literally, yeah. So you were doing that, so that was a decision that you made. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. To make things easier? To make things easier. And it did. And it did. Right. Tell yeah. me more about that. I mean, that's it, really. That's it from what I can remember. But did things get better from an educational point of view for you? Did you find things easy? Did you start to enjoy lessons a bit more? Yeah, I did. I started enjoying lessons. I loved English. I loved drama. Those were my safe places. Do you know what I mean? Where I could express myself, um, where I could talk about, like, politics. I mean, in English, like, we were... You know, encouraged to speak about all sorts of stuff. So Great. it felt like I was able to talk about my identity, me being from Wells and all this stuff. Oh, so you had some freedom. Yeah. Right. And in front of my other classmates as well. Like, it was nice. There was a, yeah, it was really nice. I mean, I can't remember any of the things. I, no, but that's I not the point. The it's about that you felt that yeah. you had the freedom to be able to speak about what you wanted to talk about. Yeah. Which if we think about what we've just been talking about forever long... You haven't had that at no, all. No, no. Because you weren't allowed that. Yeah. Did uh, did you start to make friends easier and was there any more yeah. acceptance? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Fantastic. I started to make friends easier. I had a group of friends. <laughs> and that was... The group of friends! <laughs> and that was fun. And, like, I got to know who those people were, where they came from and all that stuff, and they got to know me, and it was nice. How was was that feeling for you? Because, like, for the first time that you've got a really solid group of friends. It felt like I belonged. It felt like I had a group of people who I could always go back to. Do you know what I mean? As a kid, and be like, if you're going through something, or if you've done something, or somebody's ready to back you, or... You someone know, you could talk to. to yeah, absolutely. Were, there was trust there. We were yeah. building some trust. Yeah. So, we, you, know, when, you know, when we're kids and we've got the secrets or we need to tell something yeah. to somebody. Yeah. And we can't say it to your parents. You can't say it to a teacher. You can't yeah. say it to one of your friends. 
just yeah. so important. Mm. Oh man, I'm so pleased that happened. Yeah. And did that progress uh, through the rest of sort of high school? Yeah. I don't remember like bad experiences in secondary school to do with my race. But do you remember bad experiences during high school that weren't to do with your race? No. Great. I remember having a solid group of friends and enjoying those two lessons. And the rest of it, I was just joking in between. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Right, so you were still keeping up the, the sort of the clown persona, yeah. in a way. Yeah. Because obviously, once you build that up, it's yeah. very hard to drop. Yeah, absolutely. But from what I'm hearing, you were sort of channeling all your love and passion into English and drama. Yeah. Which is, you know, yeah. is your is, yeah. is basically your career. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And how did things turn out for GCSEs at the end? I mean, all right. I yeah. think I got four. Why? Four A's, A's to C's, something like that. Yeah. Um, and the rest of it, I didn't really care. Because... Because it did, and I remember my teacher at the time pulled me to pull. He got my results right, yeah. And he said, regardless of what, he got me in the corner of a of a room, and he said, "Was this a teacher that you had a a nice respect and trust for?" Yes, yeah. Right, okay. I think his name. I can't remember his name. Did you feel it worked both ways? Yeah. All right. Okay. I think things like that are very very important, especially for students to feel. The yeah. trust and respect is there. Absolutely. You know, because we were talking about teachers before and it's like... Yeah. Is it there anymore? And yeah. Again, it only takes one teacher. Absolutely. So go on, sorry. Tell yeah, me he sort of pulled me to a corner of the room and he said, um, regardless of what you open in that letter, I know you're going to do something big. I just know it. So whatever's in that envelope right now, it's irrelevant. Yeah. It's irrelevant. Yeah. And that still to this day gives me fire. Of course it does. Like it's just like, do you know what I mean? It yeah. just gives you energy. Like there is a person who believes. There is a person he who supports. Absolutely. Regardless believes. of these numbers or these whatever letters that we put to our names, I'm going to do well. <laughs> and I know that because someone else has believed me. Like someone else has seen my talent and has been able to say he's going to do well. These um, figures and statistics kind of are completely irrelevant. Yeah. Because someone's just given you absolute fire in your belly. Yes. That can never exactly be erased. Exactly what I needed, yeah. Yeah. So what a choice moment for him to mm. say that and for someone to believe in you. Literally. And that you still carry to this day. Yeah. That's incredible, Stephen. Yeah. So what was the next step? Did you feel you knew what the next step was going to be? Yeah, I was going to do drama college, and that was it. So I went to I went to Stettenisen College, and yeah. I did a B Tech in, in performing arts. In performing arts, right? Okay, um, for two years. Two years. Yeah, and that was it. Um, and I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed the plays that we did or the things that we discussed. I mean, we were talking about real, like, political stuff about to do with race and identity. Yeah, and the two people who were on my course, one was a Welsh woman and one was a Welsh man. No way! Yeah. Yeah. 
And it was strange. It was really strange and it was really lovely. Why, when you say strange, what do you mean? Strange in a beautiful way? Strange in a way that I can't escape this world. Because it keeps coming back. For yeah. some reason, yeah. do you know what I mean? And I can't deny my identity. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because secondary school was about surviving, assimilating, suppressing my accent and being part of the crowd and I survived. College was a reminder that actually you don't have to do that, that you can exist, exist like there are other Welsh people and you can be allowed to be yourself, to have that funny accent that you want to have. Yeah. That can happen. So <clears throat> did the accent come back when you started doing the BTEC or were you still sort of repressing? Still repressing it. Right, okay. It comes and it goes, like, in conversations. I can already hear I can still hear it. comes and goes. Yeah. But were you building in confidence with growing uh, a friendship group when you started the BTEC? Yeah, I did. I had a great friendship. And still friends that I'm still... Like friends with today that wow. I still speak to that you know we like still have a lot of contact. Great, so I, I don't need to concern no. myself about friends anymore. No. That ship sailed. We're yeah. all good now. Yeah, it was good. It was lovely. It was. It was. I enjoyed education because I enjoyed what I was doing and I enjoyed how the environment was making me feel. It's so incredible f- to hear that you're enjoying education yeah. now because you know. It's never too late to enjoy yeah, it and start absolutely. learning. And it's just such a shame that those first yeah. few years up to, you know, yeah. 12 Yeah. But it's just great. the way but, we teach, man. It's just, I think, like, even I sit with my younger siblings and it's like, we teach as if there's something wrong with the student, not with the system. That's how we teach. We teach as if we're blaming the student. And that's not how we should be teaching. So what do you think we need to change moving forward? I don't know, just looking at what's in front of you. like and listening. Look, and listening and, like, thinking about what that student is facing and what is going on in their world. Because that's also playing into the world of education and learning and wanting to learn. Like, all those things play into that. The student isn't stupid. No one is stupid. No. Do you know what I mean? And as long as, you, as long as you keep saying they're stupid, they're not going to be good, they're not going to do anything good, they're going to keep on believing that, keep on believing and eating that app. Well, of course. I mean, yeah. I find it really hard to even fathom that, I mean, back in, back in my day, when I was, you know, at school, yeah, yeah. you're told... You're pathetic and you're stupid and you're no good. And, yeah, of course you believe mm. it. But to hear that stuff like that would still surface now, yeah. I find very worrying. Yeah. And also I know class sizes are growing and growing and growing. And if a teacher has a class of 30 kids, it's very, very difficult for them to sort of maintain that individual care with each student. Mm. But I know it needs to be done. Yeah. And that's why classroom assistants are there as well, yeah. who shouldn't sort of be overlooked. Yeah. Even though they're, quote-unquote, uh, yeah. assistants, they, they've yeah. still got a lot of love and care to give. Yeah. But, yeah, students need to be told more. 
that they can achieve anything. Yeah, absolutely. Because only then are they going to believe, because they'll, you know... Yeah. Whatever it is they are, they're still little sponges. Mm. And they still need to be wrapped up to a certain extent. Mm. So, on finishing the BTEC, the plan for you was... Going to drama school. Right. That was it. So the goal's yeah. the goal's been there for quite a while, really, hasn't it? Yeah. You 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 made a beeline. You knew what yeah. you wanted. Yeah. Yeah. It, and I, I knew that that was the only thing I was sort of good at. If that makes sense. No, absolutely. Crystal clear. I yeah. wanted to do it. But I was. We've known all that in. from from finishing the GCSEs yeah. that you know the English and drama was where the passion yeah. was going, and you've. You love to be educated. Yeah. You wanted to learn. Yeah. It's something that you loved. Yeah. Totally. So, leaving the BTEC, were you setting your sights on certain drama schools? Yes. <laughs> okay. Now we're getting into it. <laughs> okay. Um, Centra did a course that I wanted to do. And that was the Applied Theatre course. Right. And that was the course that I was interested in. At, at that time, I sort of lost passion about, to do with acting. It wasn't of interest to me anymore. I was good at it, but I, there were too many problems around it that I wasn't invested in, like, searching or, like, digging up to. And I mean, like, problems as an actor, like not having a voice in a room and not feeling like you're able to say something. I'd never... And I still don't like the feeling of feeling voiceless or the feeling of not being able to say, I don't agree with you. And that not having any, not going back on you or anything or not feeling like you've lost your part in a play. Do you mean not being heard? Because the little I know you and the very first time I met you, you made such an impact on me, I went... This fella's got a voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I completely hear what's going yeah. on. Yeah. Not being heard. Not being heard. Yeah. Right. So the voice is there. Yeah. It's the fact of not being heard. Yeah. That's and another I man. could not deal with all that politics and acting, man. I couldn't deal with it. It was, for me, it was like, oh my God, this game is exhausting. I can't. And I feel like what I want to do is I want to write and I want to direct and I want to tell stories. Because then you can change and then you can make yes, a difference. absolutely. Right, okay, I'm I with can you. shape the narrative. I can cast whoever I want to be in that play. Well, you can take control. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. And I was fascinated in that world. And so the Drama and Applied Theatre course at Central was the perfect course for me in terms of working with communities, working with professional people, and working and looking at how, like, drama can be used for change in the world that really fascinated me and I applied and I got in and everything went downhill <laughs> well that's that's it that is because I know yeah uh, you know we've had conversations very few conversations about this over a couple of years since we met yeah but we, I really want to dig deep about this because I know that it needs to be spoken about yeah. and I want to talk about it because as much as 
I know a little bit. There'll be people listening to this who know nothing. Mm. So, again, we just, you know, in a very unpatronising way, need to... We need to have a... You know, your voice needs to be heard and we need to sort of educate. Yeah. Kind of in, in, with the greatest one in the world. Yeah. So, you say downhill... But let's start from the top of the hill and work our way down slowly, so to speak. Yeah. So yeah, we're there. We're there. We're at Central. Mm. And then I realise there are too many white people here, mm. and that is a massive shock to me at that time because everything else, primary school in London, diverse. Yeah. Lots of different people. College, secondary school, 100% diverse. Yeah. You go to drama school in London, I'm like, what the hell? We've gone back, Stephen. We've yeah, gone, we've gone back to Wells. We've, we've gone back to Swansea. Yeah, we have. Yeah. We have. And in more was, ways than yeah. one. Yeah. And it was so weird. And I was just like, what the hell is this place? And, and I, in my head, I was sort of questioning it totally questioning why are we taught by that person why are we teaching that stuff why am I the only black male in the year of 90 students what is that yeah do you know what I mean why are all these things at play here why are we not going to different areas and all these things so I was sort of questioning it and then questioning it felt like you shouldn't be questioning it so when you say you were questioning it, you weren't internally questioning it. No, were you? you were. I was. You were vocalizing yeah. this. Yeah, 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 man. And yeah, you were. You getting the answers? No. So what were they doing? Just sort of shutting so, the door. Yeah, absolutely. God, we're going back to knocking on the doors. Yeah, Stephen, and we're not. The no one's open. Yeah. So now and the no doors one are wants open. to talk about those diff- difficult conversations about why suddenly you go to a place in Camden that seems to have just white students. Yeah. Nobody wants to talk about that because it's to do with racism. At the heart of it, it's to do with racism. And it's that thing that we're not taught about racism properly and how it spreads. So nobody wants to talk to me about that stuff. And I feel like I'm agitating people or rocking the ball. Yeah, but you're only... I mean, I can only imagine... You're only made to feel like that because, I mean... You're being made to feel like that. It's not because you're asking a question in an aggressive way or need an answer, but the answers that you are being given... Yeah. Yeah. There's the aggression. Yeah. Yeah. Where does that come from? It's because they don't have the answers or they're scared. They're scared. Right. And it is. It's white fragility. And it's that spreading through like everything and I and then I got you know I got into the student union because I was like okay I want to change something if it's the union that we're going to be in I want to be involved of course you do <laughs> why was I surprised that you're going to be on a student union platform what's the way I you need like, to be you know, yeah if, if it's that's where I'm going to be listened to then that's that's what I'm going to do yeah and then I you know run for black and ethnic minorities officer and I got it and, and then I put on this event called Dear White Central, which was about challenging and questioning the school about race. Right, so was this 
uh, a night or this, explain to yeah, me more about this it. This was like a panel discussion. Oh, it was a panel discussion. Evening, yeah, of, of you know, we had lots of industry professionals like Madna Yunus, Roya Alexander Wise, Sheila, team, yeah. all these kind of people, Gail Bab, like, you know, people who are in the industry for a long time have yeah. been making stuff. Yeah. Kind of coming to Central and saying, why is Central like this? And giving their advice as well about Central to be better. And we also had testimonies from students about their experiences as black and brown students right. at Central. So... From years gone by? Yes. Right, okay. Yeah. So now what we're talking about is nothing's changed for a long no. time, but someone's coming here and... Yeah. Right, we're yeah. trying to shake things up. Yeah. And get questions answered. Yes. Right, okay. So, it's about, so it's about change? Yes, right. it's about change. Right, okay. And, man, I think my first year of, of drama school was isolating. Like, I remember just not fitting in and feeling like as if I was asking too many big questions. I was asking, and I was asking quite directly these big questions. To I, to the heads? To the heads, right. to staff members, to students, and people were thinking I'm racist, and people were like... Sorry, they were thinking you were racist. They were thinking I was racist. They right, were like, okay. Stephen hates white people. Like, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen doesn't like us. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen wants to get rid of us. That's not diversity. If you get, you know, you can't have it one way. And it was weird and random. I mean, as I know, we're laughing. And yeah, it is silly. Yeah, but I do find that I find that quite scary. Yeah, as well. Yeah, in in all seriousness. Yeah, yeah, because it's, it only reflect it reflects kind of what's happening now in today's society. Mm. <laughs> With you know, you can only open up papers. Yeah, and. We see what's happening Absolutely. with our politicians. Yeah, and I'm not. It's not a political podcast. This no. is a personal human condition <laughs> yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. So let's get it back to about you. So they were saying that. I'm trying to think how that was making you feel because it's certainly not going to hammer you down in any way or silence you. No. So what did it make you feel? Apart from, I mean... In my year group... Frustrating? In my year group, it was quite isolating. Right. I'm not going to lie to you. It was difficult because it was sort of really hard to explain to other students that our training is different. And it's not that I want to get rid of you. It's that I want it to look like the real world. Well, of course. And for some of these students, a lot of it was not their real world in terms of diversity. So in terms of me being the only black male or feeling like there were a few black people in a year group or whatever, that was their diversity. Okay. For me, it was like, this is not diversity. <laughs> right, To yeah. what I know it. Yeah. So for them, there was like a massive, like, what? What are you complaining about? Do you know what I mean? What are you going on about? And I remember... So they weren't listening? They weren't listening. No. And I had a meeting with a senior staff member after the event, after the whole you know, Dear White Centre event. And I said, this is it. Can, can I just stop you there? And, yeah. And I just want to go back, because we did touch on the Dear White Central event. Yeah. And, you know, you said Sheila was there and Roy was there yeah. and lots of industry professionals. What was 
the outcome of that or what was the aftermath? What was it like after that? So the day after or even the hours this after is it. that? Right? I, went, I went to have a meeting with senior staff members. Did they call the meeting or did you call the meeting? I called the meeting. Okay. And I said, we need to talk about how we're going to move on and how we're going to put these things in place that a lot of these industry professionals have brought to the table. And that time... Who were out there in the business working Who were out there in the business today, working. Yeah. It felt like a bubble. It was. Central is, and drama schools are a bubble. They're yeah. not the real world. They're not the industry. No. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're a bubble and they keep tight and they keep everything in. So we had brought in people who were working and people who were making work into the bubble and who were able to say, this is actually not how the bubble is. And actually what you need to do is this and this. And that frightened Central, I think. Because they didn't want to stick a pin in the bubble? No. Right. So I went to the senior members of staff, said to them, this is it, this is what they said, let's do it, let's change it. And they were like, we don't need to change. We don't feel oh like there is God. a problem. And I remember... They'd, sorry, they didn't see it as a problem. No. And I remember saying to them, well, you know, at times I'm not just the only black male in my year group at you know, at times I'm the only black person in my class. Yeah. Because we've split into little groups and all this stuff. And and a senior member staff said to me, I'm not kidding, she said, um, isn't it good that you're the only black person? Sh- fuck off. Literally. Really? Literally. And I'm thinking, no, mate, it's not good. But it, it what really... Do you, what does she mean by that? I still Isn't don't it only know. good that you're the only black person? Yeah. Like, isn't it good? Isn't it good? Like, I'm, you're here. I'm, I'm so... Yeah. I'm flabbergasted, and I haven't used the word yeah. flabbergasted for a <laughs> long time. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. But he explained to me in terms of where Central was as an institution around race, racism, diversity, and all that stuff. They didn't understand it. And for them... But they, were, was, wi- they, they weren't, weren't willing, willing to no. have any acceptance no. or hold their hand up and go, no. actually, you've just stuck a mirror up here and... Yeah. You're right, we should yeah. change something. Yeah. So again, they weren't willing no. to be educated, so they were blinkered. Yeah. God, so many sort of parallels about what we've been yeah, talking about absolutely. from Swansea at the moment. Yeah. Fuck. So here I am, leaving that meeting, feeling like I'm so angry. I'm so angry and fuming. Fuming at the fact that I I cannot be angry in meetings with white, other white people because that's just anger and rage and but it reads I, differently. But going back to when we first yeah. met on that stage, yeah. I remember two very angry... Uh, white lads on the front row mm. who were just attacking. Yeah. So you can't, no matter who yeah. you are, you, if you go in on yeah. the attack, I think you've already lost. Yeah. Especially if you're trying to hold a mirror up or put your point of view across or educate to anybody who might be of a, a, a certainly maybe a higher class yeah. than you. You've already lost. Yeah. Because I remember saying to those people who lost it with me, which is why I had to shut it down because we didn't have time. Mm. It was like, um, if you do that... Yeah. ..and you feel you're looked down on, 
and I'm speaking from my own point of view here, nobody else's, mm. then, and you lose it and you're angry. Yeah. Then they just turn to their fellow board members and go, see? Yeah. I told you yeah. what they were like. And yeah. that's, and I'm speaking about my own, this mm. is my own personal viewpoint here, about what, how I would have been represented when I used to be sort of yeah. quite an angry young northern man. Mm. See, I told you what they were like. Yeah. You know, so yeah, yeah, I think starting going in there with anger, then you lose everything because you lose power. Yeah, absolutely. But you walked out of that meeting so angry and so frustrated. Yeah. I am angry and frustrated for yeah. you coming out of that meeting. And feeling, what the fuck do we do? Yeah, like, where do you what, go now? What, like, literally, I've, I've just given the institution all these answers and they don't want them. And I don't know what to do next. And then I remembered that... And this is your first year, isn't it? It's my first oh year. Oh, my God. It's mental, man. It's actually mental. But it's... Yeah, it's mental. Um, I remember that Dear White Central was at the time where Twitter was sort of becoming a space. Like, in terms of, like... It was sort of not becoming a physical space, but more of, like, hashtag this and you're able to follow it through. Right, so it was... It was becoming some sort of forum. Yes. Right, okay. Yes. So we had lots of different people from South Africa, from Canada, who were, like, interacting with the conversation and were saying, this is happening here, this is happening here. And other drama schools as well, from students from other schools in the UK saying, this is happening here, this is happening here. And I was like, okay, cool. Right, this so is in the start to build some sort of support yeah. network. Here. Yeah. Right, okay. And I was thinking, this is a bigger problem. This is about... Than what you first initially thought. Yes. Right. Because obviously I'm inside the bubble. I'm not thinking about all these other schools. I'm thinking about the central problem. Yeah, of course not. Not at the moment. Yeah. 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 And then sort of diversity school came out of it and was like, cool. Let's... I want to build up to that because you've just jumped. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's really important because I really want people to hear about... uh, diversity school because mm. they'll be well I've never Craig I've never heard about that yeah I don't know yeah, yeah. as I didn't a few yeah. years ago yeah and I, st- I remember saying to someone oh I was speaking to Stephen tonight I remember when I first met him oh, I don't know I didn't know about diversity school um, so did the second year no let's just go back to the end of the first year yeah you're just sort of battling on, I suppose. Am, am I right? I don't yeah. want to put words in your mouth. Yeah. I'm sort of getting in an institution that doesn't want me to be here. Right, so you've... I really felt like I I shouldn't be here. Again, not putting words into your mouth at all. Did you feel that they were telling you or you felt like they were saying to you we don't really want you here without 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 vocalizing it is what i'm saying and that is the i'm trying to choose my words really carefully deep deep way of how whiteness works it doesn't need to be you don't need to phrase it in a way of saying i don't want you to be here it could be phrased and called in different words of course ways and you still get the message you still get it the only difference is you can't share that message do you know what I mean you can't you can't talk to other people about it in full detail then they're like oh, 
of course they want you to be here. You're, you're studying here. Like, come on, Stephen. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you're you're here. You're a student, but you're like, you know, you don't understand it. You don't understand what they're actually saying. And also, that's how they've made me feel. Yeah. So I felt like I shouldn't be Which here. Is so deep. Yeah. About how somebody makes you feel. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's emotional. Yeah. Right. I'm starting to think. The next, the next few months are a big slog. Yeah, tell me Because there more. were a bit about debating of whether I should be here, whether I should not, what I should do. Should I go to university? Was this a, was this a struggle within yourself as well? Yeah, right. So there was that all that that was going on, and then diversity school came into my idea in my first year. Oh, this happened in the first yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about this this germ of an idea about diversity school. Yeah. It was literally that. It was those spaces and people going, saying, oh, this is happening in Scotland as well. Oh, this is happening at Rada too. Oh, we have a similar problem here and here. Right, OK. So, so like, going back to the, yeah. the first start of the Twitter, the hashtag. Yeah. Oh, that's that was where it building up. Yeah. And I was sort of sitting in the canteen, in, you know, alone. There was no one there. Like, it, was, it was after, like, school hours thinking, fuck we need to do something like we need to keep these schools accountable as students this is our training we are paying for it yeah like we're paying to be here i'm paying a hell of a lot of money Literally. and people are sacrificing Literally. a lot to be there yeah because you know as we know there are certain people that can be accepted to drama school yeah Quite easily, yeah. and I'm not saying it's because they don't have any discernible talent. I'm also, but then again, I'm also saying, well, it's. I know that they can pay their full three years probably up front. Yeah, and even though they wouldn't oh ask God, for that it, happened a lot in my year. Well, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I'm not. I'm not naming names. I'm certainly not naming drama schools, but we know. That, that yeah. Um, and other people scrimp and save and struggle and get in debt more mm-hmm. than those people. But And there's other people that can, you know, I get emails and messages all the time about, you know, I've got a place into drama school. Mm. I can't afford it. Yeah. And it breaks my heart yeah. that I can't do it. And I, I just, I'm lost. I don't yeah. know what to do. It's like, I've gone right up to just before the top rung of the ladder mm. and then the hatch has come down and I'm banging yeah. and I'm almost there. There's nothing I can do. Yeah. So what was the call out with Diversity School? How did you reach out to all these people? I just wanted to speak to people who went into drama school training and like who were ready to do something about it. And it's all very well and good, yeah. people saying especially nowadays on social media yeah no i'm with you Stephen. but it's <laughs> it's a far cry for people to to sign a bit of paper but to physically be with you and yeah. go actually yeah i'm on your side yeah. and also i will stand by your yeah. side and speak yeah. with you absolutely and we realized that in like the first few months as an organization because they were like about 20 people who were part of Diversity School, 20 yeah. students. 
Then that number came down and down and down to three. No, it didn't. Yeah. Because of people... Because of being yeah. getting scared of... People getting scared. Right. People just wanting to just get on with it, just working. Yeah, people but you can't get on with it unless you try and change. Yeah. Oh. But this is the thing. This is... I think what we were doing at the time is really unpicking difficult conversations, but doing it as students who were not giving a fuck about the, the institutions that we were in or the institutions that we should be grateful for. Yeah, but the thing space. is, you you do care about the institutions. Yes, absolutely. You're that's in. That's the, the point. That's the that's thing. That's the point. You want to change. Yeah. You care about it because yeah. that's your education. But you need it to change. Yeah. If you didn't care, you'd sack. You'd literally sack it off and leave. Yeah. And do something else. Yeah, exactly. But you do care because you want change. Mm. It's quite clear. Yeah. But it came down to three. Yeah. Did you at all, at any point, lose hope? Yeah. A lot of times. Because I was thinking, <clears throat> is this working? Will this do what it needs to do? Because in my head, I've always thought about diverse school as a little little thing or a thing that's there to agitate, to challenge, to keep people accountable. To question. To question. Yeah. Not to be an organisation, not to have a, you know, a whole kind of thing about it do you know what I mean and there was something for me about doing the work and then going and letting that work speak for itself yeah exactly and I think what's become of diverse school is it's here longer than it needed to be because there is people rely on it there is a system built purposefully that relies on diversity school and that's the fucked up thing it is fucked up because yeah. In the grand scheme of things, really, it has been here too long. It shouldn't have been here full stop. Should it? Yeah. Literally. It, we, that's what I was saying at the event. I mean, like, organisations like Open Door and Diversity School, they shouldn't exist. No. We shouldn't be running as organisations because the system should just change. That's what needs to happen, and it hasn't happened. Have you seen any change? In the, obviously, you can be completely honest on it. I've seen a change of leadership. I've seen a change of drama school, changing principles. I know, but change of, does change of leadership mean a change? It's difficult, man, because I think a lot of what these drama schools are battling with is the history, and the the structure, and the deep. The deepness of all of it. And that you can't... And a, and a board. Yes. So just because you're the head of something doesn't mean, mean you have running. any power because you have to ch- exactly. be challenged by a board. Yeah. Yeah. And some of these schools are, are big machines. Huge. Know, like, that move and operate in a particular way. That you can't move that can't change, regardless of how many students they're accepting, regardless of how many, you know, fees that they're cutting down or how many auditions that they're going to or whatever, yeah. or how many places or... They're machines. They're monsters. That and do you find be. there's a constant challenge now? Yeah. Has it got any easier? 
No. But do you feel that you're even more educated and more stronger to yeah. deal with yeah, the challenge yeah, yeah, that yeah. comes? Yeah. Obviously, yeah. I, can, I can tell that. Yeah. I think there's more... I am able to articulate what that is and why. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, the problem... I don't mind speaking about this because I'm not... Do you know what I mean? The, the, the thing with Rada... Well, I was going to come to that because I did read... And it wasn't long ago, was it? It was a few weeks ago. Because you... Diversity School was in partnership with RAD. Yep. I don't know if I've got the wording right. Yeah. Right? But Diversity School let RADA go. Yeah. Can we, can we talk about it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We decided that our partnership with RADA was not working as a partnership should be working. We set okay. up that whole partnership with four other schools. Um, RADA was the fifth school. And for us, it was a collaboration. It was us as people who have recently graduated working with organisations to change and shift it because we had the inside knowledge and that was the students we knew what the students were going through and we were able to feed that staff back to the teachers and we were able to feed back what the teachers were saying to the students. Right. So there was a constant flow of communication. Yes, absolutely. Which is integral. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And things started to go crazy. And okay. Can you elaborate on that? I can't. <laughs> okay. Can you elaborate now to me? What was the response from Rada? They because once you sort of got we're, right, we're severing ties now. They um, didn't understand it at first, and I had to keep on explaining why we were leaving and and why we've had a really weird relationship with this school in particular. We've got five. We've got five schools. You're one of them. Yeah. You've been the hardest one to kind of maintain relationship. Yeah. And we felt that your staff members were patronising and they were making things up for us and they were trying to... T- Do you know what it is? It was white men protecting white men. And I, I don't personally fat with that shit. <laughs> I don't, because I know where it comes from. Yeah. Do you well, know we what I mean? We spoke about history before yeah. and how history is really hard to yeah. change. Yeah, literally. And nothing... Of all the drama schools, yeah, nothing and no building is as, and forgive the term, set in stone, yeah, as Rada, yeah. We know that, yeah. Look at the history, yes, exactly. Um, gonna have to cut loads of this out, Griff. (laughs) 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 But I'm I'm loving the conversation. So we were done. We were like... We, so once they... Their response at first was... They failed to understand. Yeah. So you had to go back in and reiterate? Yes. Or simplify? Both. Right, okay. And say to them, these are the reasons, X, Y, and Z, why we're leaving. Zero acknowledgement? Yeah. Right. And and then they wanted us to change a bit of the statement that we put out. So they wanted us to... 
What, they had editorial control over a statement that you put out? Yeah, which I was like, no way. That's not happening. And we argued back and forth and, you know, was on the line and he was sort of going, well, I can, I, you know, I, I know you're not going to change that statement. So, okay, that's it, whatever. Do do what you want. And I was like, yeah, I will. I will because that's that's the least that we can say why we're leaving because we're not allowed to give you full... We can't say in full detail. No. Because, because of our contract. Yeah. We can't say that. Do you know what I mean? But these, in terms of public domain, we're going to say it how we're going to say it. And we are going to talk about those issues that we brought to you. But I do think the statement that you put out was very diplomatic. Yeah. It was. But to them as an institution, it wasn't. Well, of course not. Because as we've just spoken about, historic institutions <laughs> such as that would, would not care to be seen in any sort of negative yeah, light. absolutely. Even though you're not absolutely. elaborating on yeah. the... Uh, the exact points yeah. of why. Yeah. And I know you couldn't. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. But you felt, I don't know if triumphant's the right word, but... how? Well, I suppose I'd need to ask you the question, how did you feel after that, with the severing of the ties? Great. I really did feel great. I felt that we were standing up for ourselves and what we believe in. And did you get, which you were, yeah. but did you get support from the other drama schools about this or did they kind of keep out of it? They kept out of it. A wise move, I think. Yeah. Because otherwise then, I mean, it isn't, but it could turn into bullying or us against yeah, them. Yeah, absolutely. Which, which is exactly what yeah. you fought for with diversity it's called that isn't about that yeah absolutely and it's about inclusion yeah and working together and well, exactly like really which is why over the years I've, con- I've seen that you've constantly pulled in yeah. the drama schools and gone can we just all yeah. work together yeah so the one thing we haven't really touched on in a very sort of base way yeah and I know, and I understand it, because we have to but for people who might have missed it, so the diversity school is what? If you could s- tell me yeah. in a nutshell, in a soundbite, yeah. or a, a very, very long paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> the diversity I'm sorry, school... I don't know why I said soundbite. That's awful. I'm not that type of podcast. <laughs> so many diversity schools, don't you? I don't want that. I want you... I know it's about yeah. communication and inclusion, but... For people out there yeah. who don't know about it and n- need this support network, yeah. I suppose that's what I want to do. I want you to reach out to, yeah. to people listening to this. Yeah. It's an organisation set up to address diversity and underrepresentation in UK drama schools. And we challenge and keep drama schools accountable. We keep them on their toes. And it's about activism it's about getting stuff done and looking at structural change. You know, we're not here for 10, 20 years. We don't want to play that game. We want to make structural change. How can we make drama school accessible to everyone? And that literally means everyone. Looking at what is, 
What are the barriers to drama school training for women, for disabled people, for black people, brown people, for gay people, trans people, all these other people who exist in our world? What are the barriers to training that actually are there at the moment? And what do we need to do to make sure it's not a barrier anymore? Do we need to have more space? Do we need to have more money? Do we need to go to different places, different locations? Do we need to change our way of teaching or what we are teaching, you know? Or can we just keep the door open and just let's all embrace being inclusive? Yeah, Full absolutely. Stop. I remember um, someone said, oh, who are, you, who are you recording with tonight? I said, oh, it's... I mean, he's not, he's not a friend, but I, he's, you know, he's an acquaintance. I've known him for a bit. It's called Stephen. I said, oh, was he an actor? And I said, no. I said, do you know, he's more like an activist. <laughs> <laughs> and I was really chuffed to be able to say that. Oh, thanks, and I'm, mate. I'm so, so thrilled uh, that you came on. I think we had a really, really great, great yeah. discussion. And I've really loved it, and I can't thank you enough. You enjoyed it, yeah, I have. Oh man, thank you so much. Seriously, no, honestly, thank you. Thank you. Really lovely. Thanks a lot. Let's see if there's any more of that wine. Thanks, Stephen. I really appreciate it. (laughs) And another episode is done. I'm sure there'll be a lot of questions. Maybe not so many answers, but certainly things that we can think about there with that. I'm so thrilled that Stephen come on. Because um, as I said in the intro, we have been trying to plan this for so long. And Stephen's on tour at the moment and he had two days free and he was doing a workshop for both days. So he came to meet me and Griff at seven o'clock at night on um, on the Thursday. And uh, it went so well. And it was, you know, I said to my, I kind of never really want to preempt or think too much about what an episode could or should be. But it exceeded my expectations um, to tell his story and, and give him a platform and really talk about what he's doing with the diversity school because I think it's really, really important that more people know about it um, and certainly what he's been through. So I can't thank Stephen enough and I can't thank you enough for listening. And, um, yeah. Sorry, I was a bit uh, gobsmacked by by that conversation. You know, it really gives us a bit of food for thought and I don't mean that in, um, in a light way at all. I, I, I do mean it that we should be thinking about it because when I first met Stephen and he told me about diversity school a few years ago and I said well and I think I said this on the podcast that well, you know why I haven't heard about it why didn't I know about it more people should know about it because it's um it's communication and it's a conversation that needs to happen that shouldn't be happening as as we spoke about but it is um, and the more people that are having the conversation, then maybe in time to come, we won't need to have the conversation. Does that make sense? 
I've got one more thing. Get your diary out now. Where is it? Hear that? That's my diary right there. Where, where am I? Oh, there's May. There's May. Right. So, May the 1st. Just tick that off. So, block out May the 1st to the 10th. The 1st to the 10th of May. Because, guess what? The Two Shot Podcast is coming on tour. And we are coming to a city near you. We are... I can't tell you exactly where we're coming, right? But I guarantee we're going to be not that far away from you. Just just block that week out. It's fine. Look, I'll speak to your boss and we'll sort it out. It's it's only an hour. Well, maybe like... Just block out two hours a night, the 1st to the 10th, right? And one of those dates will ping and you'll be there. Um, we can't wait to see you. We are about... 60% close to shutting down the venues that we need to. I am then going to get on the guest list and you're going to come. I'm going to have a great night. What I will say, we're not doing huge venues. These are very select venues. So it will be first come, first serve. And once they're gone, they are gone. So please get in. We're not going to do another tour. This is our tour for 2020. Um, Sounds like a rock and roll band. We're not. We're just doing one tour. Um, We really can't wait to come to the cities and see you. So look, when we've got more announcements, we'll give it to you. But block it off 1st to the 10th of May 2020. And we'll see you there. Until then, I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been producer Griff. And this has been the Two Shot Podcast. You take care, stay safe, stay sound, and we shall see you next Thursday, not Friday, next Thursday. All right, take it easy. Bye. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. Cheers.